My name is Gerald. I am one of the leaders here at High Point, and I want to welcome you all this morning. So I am not Pastor Andy. Pastor Andy is getting a well-reserved break. Uh, it was fall break this week for Cobb County, so he took his family out and got some rest. So I'm going to actually just jump right in. And so I'm going to figure out how to do this with no hands, but I'm going to just ask simple questions first. So have you guys ever tried to open a can without a can opener? <laughs> have you? Yeah? Okay, now I'm going to pull out some stuff. I'm going to lay the mic down. Give me a second. Okay. Now, first of all, I want you to know I have a can opener. So let me ask this. I'm going to ask two questions. Not only have you ever tried, have you ever tried to open a can without a can opener when you have a can opener right next to you? Okay, so we wouldn't do that. But let's just talk about it. If you have a can and you're like, oh, God, you're camping, whatever it is, and I don't have a can opener. So we went on vacation, and our kitchen was lacking some things today, all right? Our kitchen was lacking some things last week. And we're like, God, do we buy it? We're like, no, we're not buying it. But either way, so we had things. And so you might take a hammer, and you're like, okay, how can I do this? And you might take this part, this part of the hammer and try to dent it up and make a hole. If you could puncture it, you might get it. You might be able to get some of the contents out. So you might take the hammer, you know, you might take a knife, you know, they say Ginsu could cut through anything, right? So you might take a Ginsu and try to saw, and nothing will happen, right? Or you'll saw if that doesn't work. Oh, hey, I got a hole in there. That's good. So you might poke a hole through it that way. Now, after you get the hole, you decide, okay, now let me cut around it. So you might take the scissors and try to go all the way around the edges, and you're doing all this stuff. And finally, you're like, okay, I got this kind of can opener. So you might just start punching holes like this all the way around the can so you got, could get most of the contents out. So you got dents, you got scrapes, you got holes, you got everything, and you're shaking, and you're able to get some of the contents out, but you don't have complete access to the contents. But then you take the can opener. Now, I'm going to embarrass myself. I didn't use the can opener properly for about, how old am I? I'll say about 40-something years of my life, <laughs> okay? I used to use the can opener like this. You put it on the side, and you twist. Now, when you put it on a side like this and twist, what happens is the edge of the can, when you take off the lid, the edge of the can is sharp. And I used to cut myself with the edge of the can. And then my wife said, oh my God, Gerald, we've been doing it wrong. By the way, I wasn't the only one that was dumb, okay? <laughs> so my wife said, oh my God, we've been doing it wrong. So she says, it's supposed to go like this. I'm like, well, how does that work? So we put it like this and we started twisting. And when you twist it like that, the top fat part of the lid comes off so you don't cut your hand when you touch the lid of the can. Did anyone know that, by the way? Are we the only crazy people? Oh, you just learned something, great. All right, so, so this is the thing. So it's not just that you gotta use the can opener, you also have to use it effectively and correctly. Does that make sense? All right, so here's the question. Not question, here's the comment. This can is us. It represents everything that we are, our situations, our problems, our circumstances. Any and everything that we deal with is this can. The contents of the can is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, because it's in us. Make sense? And we could puncture the can and do all the stuff and we could get a little bit of God's contents, right? We could get a little bit, but we didn't quite get the full access of God's power. This can opener represents the tool that is the most powerful thing that we have in our Christian walk. That's prayer. If used correctly, because the Bible says the effective, effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. That means if there's an effective, effectual prayer, there's also an ineffective prayer, right? It says if we use it correctly, we will have full access 
to the full power of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And we can let loose the power of that by getting the full contents of that. Everyone understand that? Today we are talking, we're in a series called Serpent Crusher. I'm going to tell you today that there's no greater way to crush the head of the serpent than by using prayer effectively. I'm going to put this stuff away for a minute. Give me a second. So I don't cut myself. All right. There we go. All right. So I don't know if you're like me. I'm going to need it again. I don't know if you're like me. But why is prayer our last resort that we go to? We'll touch the hammer. We'll touch the other bottle opener. We'll touch the scissors. We'll touch the knives. But prayer is... Matter of fact, we have a saying about it. Well, there's nothing else we could do but pray. Have you heard that one? Yeah. But it's the first thing we should do is pray. Okay? Prayer is simply talking to God. So the question could be, how do I talk to God? What do I talk to God about? This is God we're talking about. When do I talk to God? I don't know. (sighs) So we just do it later. And it's our last resort. The Lord's Prayer is a template. Now, we could pray the Lord's Prayer the way it is. That's great. But the Lord's Prayer actually is a template of how and what and when and all the stuff to pray. And today, we're going to take a time to learn how to pray effectively. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you a heads up. This is not going to be a sermon. There's different types of messages. They're called preachers. There's teachers and things like that. My natural gifting is teaching. All right? That's what I walk in. I'm going to give you information today. And I say this very, I usually never say, and I hate when I go to churches and people say this, but I'm going to give you something today that will change your life if you write it down, take attention to it, and actually practice this. I practice this daily, and it's going to be very important, okay? So if you don't have a pen and paper, that's totally cool. We have some stuff in front of of your pockets in the back of the other seats. You could take out your phone, take some notes. I will not be upset about that, but I want to make sure you get the information that you need today so we can walk in the power and authority and praying effectively. Father God, we give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory. Prepare our hearts today, Lord God, to receive your word. Let it be none of me and totally and completely all of you. Give us ears to hear, Lord God, the mind and knowledge to wisdom to understand it, Father, and the ability to walk it out after we leave this place today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to let you guys, we're going to turn to Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. The Lord's Prayer is actually written in two spots. It's written in Matthew and it's written in Luke, but we're going to look at Luke. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version, okay? Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. You can put it up on your phone. If you have it, say, I got it. I got it. There's a couple of us. If you have it, say, I got it. All right, this is how we learn today. (laughs) Now it came to pass, as he was praying in in the certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be that your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. 
and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Matthew 6, 13, it adds the last verse, for yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. I'm going to start breaking this down one by one. We're going to start with the very part. Luke 11:2 says, they ask, Lord, teach us. That means there has to be a specific way. If he's saying teach us how to pray, there has to be a specific way to get the results that we need to pray. And he said to them, ready? When you pray, say. I want you to write this down. Say and speak. Does that mean God doesn't hear your silent prayers? No, it does not. Does that mean God doesn't hear your thoughts? No, it does not. We're talking about the effectual prayer, right, though? His says say. That means verbalize, audibleize, make it vocal, make it loud, make it plain, speak it out into existence. What you want to happen, you must say it. Not think it, say it out loud, right? Why is that? Well, because think about it. Everything that God wanted to happen, he said it. There is power in your words. Your words have creative power. When God said, let there be light, in Genesis 13, he says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. This demonstrates the creative power of words. He said, God said in Luke, uh, in Genesis about 26 times before we got off the first chapter, all right? And everything he said, something was created from those sayings. Throughout the Bible, he says, thus says the Lord, God said. It is repeated in the Bible, I don't know how many times, because anything you want to come into existence, you must say it. So the first thing you have to know when you pray, hear me, if you want effective prayer, I'm not saying this, say it. Speak it loud and say it, all right? That, that, so when we speak, we create. Say your prayers, don't just think them. All right, everyone got the first thing. Yeah. Say and speak. I'm telling you, this will change your life, okay? Second thing, our Father in heaven. This one's gonna take some time. We are addressing, matter of fact, write this one down, number two. Address and name, okay? Those are the words you wanna do. You could put in parentheses relationship, okay? Our Father in heaven, we are addressing God and acknowledging God as our Father. There is an intimacy, a relationship that comes with that, all right? So we have to acknowledge God as a Father. Now, if you're like me, you might have the worst example of what a father was. So for us to call God our Father, that means absolutely nothing to you because you don't want to compare him to what my father was, or maybe what some of your fathers were. Maybe your father wasn't there at all, right? Maybe your father was there, but was absent. You know how you could be there and not be there? Like they weren't involved in your life, didn't give a darn what you did, so what's the point of having a father in the house? Maybe you never even met your father, had no clue what his name is, right? So when you hear the word our father, it could, it could kind of get kind of sensitive, for a lot of us, right? It got sensitive for me. It took me a while to, to get through that and work through that. But I, I wanna give you an example on how, what helped me. It's really weird. We didn't teach our kids about Santa Claus, but just picture Christmas time, right? You go to the malls, you go to stores, you see Santa Claus everywhere, you see these long lines of kids lined up to see Santa. And they're waiting in lines like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, oh, goody, 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 okay? Now, they get there, and they run up, and they sit on Santa's lap. And when they sit on Santa's lap, Santa's like hugging them in his arm, they're sitting on this lap, and they're looking at this guy, and he's like, yes, Santa, and I was really good this week, and I did the great things this year, 
and they're telling you all the things, how great they were for the whole entire year. And they're saying, and then they're going to start telling them what they want for Christmas. And then they get off the lap. They run them out. Mama, I told Santa, I told Santa. And they have the most utmost confidence that this pudgy dude <laughs> is going to be the bearer of all their good gifts. And this is a person that they see once a year. That childlike faith is what we have to bring when we see God. I want you to read a verse with me. Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. You can write it down if you want to look at it now. Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. And it says, Amplified Version, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, would instead give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would instead give him a snake? If you then evil, sinful by nature, which is we are, okay, as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give what is good and advantageous to those who keep asking him? Our heavenly father, I want you to get this. God loves you. Matter of fact, I need you to get it so much that I need you to say it and believe it. Say, God loves me. God loves me. Mm. No, you didn't believe that one yet. <laughs> say, God loves me. God loves me. Okay? You have to understand this, okay? God loves you. The problem is, <laughs> we, have, we as people, this is what we do. I guarantee you this is everybody in here. We put people in three categories. I could say four, but I'm going to say three. All right? Family, friend, you know the last one? Acquaintance. We put people in those three categories. Now, you could say four if you have an enemy. I'm not going to use four. But for the most part, family, friend, and acquaintance. Now, here's what's interesting about family, friend, and acquaintance. What category they fit in in your life depends on how much quality time you spend with them. What category they fit in your life depends on how much quality time you spend with them. So if I'm saying that, matter of fact, coworkers, most of my coworkers are acquaintances, but I have a few coworkers that I might go out with, have dinner with, talk a little bit more with outside of work time. Now they can move into the friend zone. You like the friend zone thing? Boys hate the friend zone thing, but I'm just letting you know, you like the friend zone? Okay. And then you got those other people, if I spend even more time, like church, right? We call them family. Let's be real. We call each other family. How much time are you spending with the people in your family here at church, right? With the fellowship. So there might be just friends. And some of you, not, I'm going to be honest, are just acquaintances, right? But the more time I spend with you, you step into that. So you could transition from one part to another spot. You could move up from acquaintance to friend, from friend to family. Family is not based on blood, right? Family is based on relationship, okay? So therefore, you also got the family by blood, <laughs> that you know are acquaintances, <laughs> right? I'll keep you way over there. Do you understand? Okay, so we put everybody we know, everyone we talk to, everyone we meet into three categories, family, friend, or acquaintances. Here's my question. What category do you put God in? You should, you should just think about that one for a minute. How much time do you spend with them? That starts the whole part of our father. Because if he's family, you have no problem calling him daddy. Who's your daddy? <laughs> right? So when we look at this prayer, Lord's Prayer, 
Number one is to speak and say. Number two is to name them, address them, relationship. But you can't do that without time with them. Okay? Number three, the second, third part. By the way, I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm not finishing this week. This is going to be too to be continued, so just might as well get ready for me. Yeah, if you don't like me, that, if you don't like me too bad, I'm coming back next week. <laughs> okay? So the next part is, hallowed be your, thy name. Hallowed, 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 hallowed be thy name. Hallowed. Hallowed is another way of just saying holy. How holy is your name? Write this one down. Number three is praise and honor. Praise and honor. Our job when we pray, this is so important and I think we miss it. We have to elevate God by praising his name. Oh, Father, you are the Alpha, and the Omega, the beginning and the end. How excellent is your name in all the earth. All the glory and honor belongs to you, Most High. When I look at the things that you've created, who am I, Lord God, that you are mindful of me? Lord God, so worthy are you. We must exalt him by exalting him and lifting him up over our own problems, over our own current situations. <laughs> Praise lifts God up. So if you have a little God, I guarantee you, you have big problems. If you have a big God, I guarantee you, you have little problems. That's just how it works. I spend most of my time in my prayer. I'm going to explain this because this is really interesting. I spend most of my time in my prayer praising God before I even get to the asking. It is not really just for him. It's for me. I have to get my mind straight on who I am and more importantly, who he is. I have to raise him up before I come to him because if I come to him just say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. Now give, here's this it. I didn't really acknowledge who he is and what he can do for me, but by speaking out what he is, what he has done, not just for me, but for the existence of everything, it puts in perspective that my problems, it just puts everything in the right place. Matter of fact, praise and prayer puts God into, into proper place and our problems into perspective. You have to get the honoring part of God. How, how do I do this? What, do I, what is he to me? Read the word. Start saying what he is to you. Start saying what he is for everyone. He is our heavenly father. He is the creation of all things good. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I start speaking his words back to him, declaring what he is, honoring him. And then my problems, before I even have to really start asking, already don't seem so big. I'm hoping you're writing this down because if you want a breakthrough in your life, prayer is the only tool that's going to start it. It's the only one. Number four. I'm going to repeat the ones I guess. I'm going to keep repeating. Speak. Matter of fact, you can help me out. Speak and say. Second one was address a name. Third one, praise and honor. The next one. It says, your kingdom come, oh, this one's so good. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Write this down. Align and reflect. Align 
and reflect. What does that mean? Your kingdom come. So, <laughs> how do I break this easy? We were made in God's image, okay? And we're not talking about the head, the body, and all this stuff. We're talking about internally. We were made with his, his spirit, his moral character, all those things. We were created in God's image. So when we are praying, we should be praying what God prays, right? When we are praying for things, for, uh, we should be already praying for things that are in the kingdom so they could reflect. So we're praying here and we're aligned with God because we know him so well as our daddy, right? We're aligned with God so that we're reflecting whatever's here in the kingdom here is reflecting here. Got it? We're aligned here, so it reflects here on this earth. So everything we're praying for has already been established. We're praying, we're praying for the earth. It's changing the earth. It's praying, changing the USA. It's changing, it's changing Georgia. It's changing Kennesaw. It's changing High Point. Basically, at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're trying to make this home be like our home away from home. So when it says, your kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, where's the kingdom going? It's going here. What do you think that kingdom come means? Where's it going? Here. How's it going to get there? Through us. Because we represent the king. Does everyone know how kingdoms work, by the way? Because if you don't understand how kingdoms work, this absolutely means nothing. Right? There is a king involved in the kingdom. Every king, even the game of chess, good Lord, every king has one goal, and that is to expand its territory. Period. And in order to do that, he sends people forth to claim the proclamations of that king in that territory. Who are those people? Say, I am. This is what the prayer life looks like. We have to align here so we can reflect here on this earth. <laughs> Our prayers have to represent the purpose of God, not our purposes. Now, I'm going to make myself look bad, and I don't care. I love sports. <sighs> I've prayed time and time again, dear God, I know the Cowboys suck, but please let them win. <laughs> okay? I've done that. I love fantasy football. So my prayers are like, oh, God, please let me win this league because I can talk all the trash in the world that I can do. All right, let me win this week. Oh, God, now, now notice this. Oh, please let this player blow up like he's supposed to so I can earn all the points I need. Oh, God, please don't let Christian McCaffrey score well because he's going to kill me if he scores well. Oh, God, please let Christian McCaffrey get hurt. Man, does my purposes start straying further and further away? Are these aligned with God's kingdoms? But, by the way, I ain't the only one that pray like that. Don't try to make me look stupid. And it might not be for football, okay? But I don't want to hear like I'm the only one, all right? I know how it works, but I'm just trying to tell you I suck, <laughs> okay? Right? But that's what our prayers sometimes tend to go towards, right? Where if we're praying for the kingdom purposes, what we have to do is we should be praying for things that apply to, to the values of the kingdom. For example, uh, acts of mercy, kindness, and goodness. Or we should be praying for things that are opposed to the values of the kingdom, like greed and lust and so on, right? We should be praying for things that, are, that re represent the kingdom and against things that don't, that are on this earth. But the big question is, how do we know what we should pray for? 
how do we know what represents the kingdom? But let me go back to this. I want to go to Matthew 18, 18. That's an easy one to remember. You can write that down. Matthew 18, 18. This chapter says, this verse says, Amplified Version, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, by the way, basically he says, I promise you. If I assure you and most solemnly say to you, he's promising you, right? Whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose, permit to be declared to be lawful on earth shall have already been loose in heaven. So that's basically saying reflect, isn't it? These things are already there. We bring them here. Got it? That's what that verse says. They're already here. So when you're praying, what should you be praying? Praying things of the kingdom. Period. How many of us are doing that? Right? Are we saying it? Are we speaking it? Are we addressing and naming him? Are we praising and honoring him? And are we aligning our purposes, not sports purposes, our purposes with his purposes? Okay? But that still brings the question. How do I know? I don't live in heaven. How do I know what his purposes are? What, are? what is already aligned in kingdom? What is already permitted in kingdom? That is such a good question. I'm so glad that you asked me. Listen, here's how it works. It kind of goes back to the first thing. And who's your daddy? All of us have some type of relationships with people. Okay? So if you go to, my wife and I have been married 26 years. Okay? Not counting the years that we knew each other beforehand. But we could drive in a car, we could walk somewhere, something could happen, we both see it, and we would look at each other, and nothing else has to be said because we understand what we're just thinking. Everyone understand that? People have people like that? It could be a sibling, it doesn't have to be a spouse. It could be a brother, it could be a best friend, it could be a sister. Those things happen. Now then there's this other part that's weird that I don't quite get yet. (laughs) She could say, I don't like that song. And I was loving that song. But for some strange reason, over a period of time, the more and more I hear that song, why do I start disliking that song? Anybody else? Okay. She could say, oh, I love this. Or I could say, oh, I love that. And it might not be her favorite thing, and she might not dislike it. But then all of a sudden, she starts liking it all of a sudden. We're finishing each other's sentences. There is something that happens when you spend time with someone so much, you become them. Matter of fact, the Bible says when you're married, the two become one, right? Not just one, we're not talking about just one body, one heart, one mind, one soul, one spirit. So when the question is, how do I know what my father wants? How do I know what is established in the kingdom of heaven? Guess what? The more time you spend with them, which we're going to get into the next section on day by day, the more time you spend with them, you're going to know exactly what he wants without him even saying it. So you don't have to say, oh, if it's God's will. I hate that line. Oh, if it's God's will. You know God's will if you're spending time with him every day. Because his will is your will. Let's be real with ourselves. And I promised I wouldn't yell today. (laughs) Actually, the words were, I won't yell that much. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to keep my promise. But we have to get, I'm passionate about this because we are walking around like, oh, my prayers aren't effective. No, we're just not praying effective prayers because we don't understand them. If you practice this, I promise in you, your lives will change. Results, you're actually gonna start seeing, you're gonna have actually more faith when you pray. You know why most of us don't 
We used to have prayer calls, and it was always the three people, same four or five people praying on prayer calls. In my men's call, I always say, all right, who's going to pray today? Always the same three people. No one wants to jump out and pray. You know why no one wants to jump out and pray? Because we're out of practice. Forget the fear of man and worried about what other people are thinking, right? We have to pray because you're not praying to me. You're praying to your daddy. If your dad was here, you would talk to your dad, or yeah. Friend, family, you would talk to them right in front of us. I talk to my wife in front of you because there's a relationship there. It doesn't matter what you're thinking. You're not in the middle of this, right? It's between here, the alignment. So when we should be, when we, next time we say we're going to have a prayer service, this place should be packed, running to it, right? It's my turn to pray. It's like Santa Claus, I'm coming. When is my turn coming, right? We should be like those kids trying to jump in. By, like, if you, have a, if you have a large family and you're at a dinner table and you're like, or have you ever been that person where you're sitting at the dinner table like, hey, but that, but that, but that, and you want to get your words in and no one's listening, and then finally everyone says, shush, shush, Gerald wants to talk. Yes. That's what it should be like with us and our relationship running to the Father. You have to want this, but it doesn't come naturally. I'm not going to lie. We think once you're saved, you're set. Oh, once you say the work begins. Yeah. We, re- we read that, so- we sang a song today about the battle. It's a freaking battle, people. If you think you're not in the war, something's wrong. The whole Bible talks about the war. Why are we going to have shields and weapons and, and, and armor? But the most powerful weapon is all I'm trying to get to you today. The most powerful weapon in our, in our quiver. The most powerful weapon to open a can. The most powerful weapon we actually turn to last what is wrong with us? What's wrong with me? Right? Prayer is that weapon. Okay. Go through it again. Say and speak. They say you learn from repetition. Even if you're not writing down, you're going to walk away with something today. Say and speak. Address a name. Praise and honor. The other one was align and reflect, and here's the great one. I might not finish this one today. The next verse says, give us this day our daily bread. Write this down. Eat or use his word. Eat or use his word. There's several places in the Bible when it talks about who will I send, who will I send, or even Moses in the Old Testament. He said, I don't have the words to save. Don't send me, I can't speak. He goes, I will give you the words. He told Moses, I will give you the words. He tells, he tells Isaiah and another person, oh, your words are like honey to my lips. I will just go and, and let me open your mouth. He gives us the words, right? His words. It's, that's why when we say, by the way, who, what words do you think we're saying? His words. That's why they create. Not our words. When we're aligning here, I hope we're connecting the dot. Everyone had the little connected dot books? None of these verses sit by themselves. They all connect. Got to know the Father. Got to say it. But say what? You got to say his words. So how do I know what his words are? Give us this day our daily bread. Let me explain something. Yes. I'm going to say yes. It does also account to supplying your daily provisions. That means you're going to be taken care of for the day. God's going to take care of you for the day. 
Yes, my day-to-day needs, my clothes, or my food, whatever it may be, God's going to take care of. He's going to take care of my physical well-being. More importantly, he's going to take care of your spiritual well-being. The best way to describe this is almost none of my words. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. I'm going to summarize one. In the book of Exodus, the Israel, uh, the, the, uh, the Jews, the Israelites, they left the, king, they left, they left the Egyptians and they ran away and then now they're in the wilderness, right? And then they start complaining. Oh my gosh, we're starving. Oh my God, it's so hot. You know, like we do. <laughs> when we, when we, get, we, we want to get away from something and we get away from it and then wherever we go to, we're still complaining, right? That's all of us. Okay, so they're all, oh, my God, it's so hot. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, man, I was better off when I was a slave. At least I ate some good food, you know, whatever it may be. Okay, so we do that. Now, God hears their plan. They're complaining, and he says, hey, Moses, bro, bro, listen, let them know I heard them. And what I would do is I will cause brain to rain down from heaven that people should go and gather a day's portion for every day. I'm going to let it rain every day, and you're going to gather enough for that day only so that I may test them. Now, that's weird, right? He's testing them, right? But I may test them whether or not they will walk obediently in my instructions. So they went out. They gathered enough for the day for each family. And then anything that was left over, it spoiled and burnt away. Everyone got that? That's what it says. I summarize Exodus 16. So you can read the whole of Exodus 16, but it talks about that. It talks about the bread raining down from heaven. Then it refers back to it in Deuteronomy. This is why the Bible explains day by day better than me. Deuteronomy says, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He humbled you and allowed you to be hungry. He allowed you to be hungry and fed you with manna, a substance which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, so that he might make you understand by personal experience. Some of us just need to learn by personal experience. Okay. That man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let me explain something. He just called the word of God bread. You can make all the money in the world and feed yourselves in the physical. That's not feeding your spiritual. Does everyone understand that? The word of God feeds your spiritual. And here's where you got to get to, most importantly. You can't live by bread alone because when the physical ceases, who's going to provide for you? Say it. The spiritual. God. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So when they weren't getting fed, what did they do? Father, ah! And God said to Moses, I will make bread come down from heaven. The spiritual will always feed the physical. The physical can never feed the spiritual. So which one's more important to you? Everyone understand this? This is the best part. I keep saying that because it keeps getting better. I'm sorry. John 6, 3, uh, John 6, 32 through 35. Now we heard about the bread of manna. We heard about why the bread came. We told him why he did it to test us. Here's the, here's the summing of it all. This is the whole serpent crusher part right here. John 6, 32 to 35. Then Jesus said to them, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, that means he promises. That's the second time he said that. It is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my father, notice these words, who gives the true bread out of heaven. 
for the bread of God, he uh, for the bread of God, he is who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven to give life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, as always, give us this bread. Jesus replied to them, I am that bread. Who do you need to live off of? Who do you need to seek day by day for your provision? Not just physical provision. Spiritual provision comes first. Seek him first. If you're not doing it daily, I'm not judging you because I'm in the same spot. That's where we are. If you're not doing it daily, you are where you are because of who you are and what you're doing or what you're not doing. Give us this day our daily bread. And I'm going to close with this last scripture. It's long because I want to make sure. Notice, I'm not trying to use my words. I'm trying to use the Bible to define what he means by day by day because this defines it so better, so much better than I could do. Matthew 6, mostly a lot of us are really familiar with this passage about worry, right? Matthew 6, 25 through 34. This sums up the Lord's prayer in almost all its entirety. Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted. I like to amplify because it, it gives easier words to define the word that they're given. Okay. About your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body as to what you will wear. Is not more, uh, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? I would say yes. Would you agree? Okay. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow seed nor reap the harvest nor gather the crops. That means they don't do jack nothing. <laughs> Put it in terms you understand, right? Okay. Or gather the crops into barns. And yet your heavenly father, notice those words again. Got to name them. Your heavenly father keeps feeding them. Are you not much more worthy? Does he not love you more? And who of you by, care, by worrying about, uh, by worrying can add one hour in length to your life by worrying? And why are you not worried about, why, and why are you worried about clothes? See how the lilies of the, uh, and lilies and the wildflowers are of the field, they do not labor, nor do they spin wool or make, make clothing. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon, he was the richest man alive and all his glory and splendor dressed himself as these. That means the things that God create are so much more beautiful than what we can come up with. Right. But here's the best part. But if God so clothes the grass and the field, which is alive and green today and tomorrow is cut and thrown as fuel into the furnace. Man, my grass sometimes used to now has some spots. It looks so luscious. I talk about I talk about a couple of people's grass when I go here, right? Man, you how you get your grass to look so green and beautiful, and yet and then they cut it and they burn it. And they, but God takes care of the grass, and then He throws it away. Yeah. He's not throwing us away. How much more will He take care of us, right? So what is so you uh, oh you a little faith? Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, saying what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear. For the pagans, the Gentiles, people that do not know God, eagerly seek all these things. But do not worry for your heavenly father. Again, notice how he keeps naming who he is to you. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. 
But first, but first, and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. First, aim at his kingdom and his righteousness. His way of doing things, not what you want and being right. The attitude and character of God and all your worries, all these things, everything will be taken care of. So don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have enough problems of its own. What does that mean? You have to seek me every day. I'm going to test you. Every day you're going to have a new set of problems. But every day if you come to me first, I will give you a solution to your problems before they even start. Every day come to me. And you will be provided for for that day. Hear me. And that day only. That is what putting your trust in your daddy does. Man, that's hard. But what's not hard is just going to him every day and testing him. Just like that's what's wrong. just like he's testing us. You know what? We could test him because he promised. He says, I shortly tell you and solemnly tell you these things. So he's promising. So. To wrap this part for the day, we're going to get to the last parts later. Here's what you need to know. When you're praying the daily word, day by day, you're seeking God's word. It's not your words that affect Christ. It's his words that affect him. So you pray his words back to him. It's almost like you reminder him. Hey, dude, you solemnly swore you said this. Bang. So let me show you what a prayer looks like. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are just worthy and, and I exalt you above all other things, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that no weapon formed against me shall prosper because your word says the righteous availeth much. And Lord God, and you go before them and you make my crooked places straight. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you go before me and then handle this situation so that I can walk in your glory and you will receive the glory and praise. I'm going to pray his words back to him, reminding him what he said to me because those are the words of the king coming from the kingdom. And they're already established in the kingdom, so now I'm establishing here for me and for you. Is everyone getting this? We're going to finish the last part next week. And I'm going to just repeat these parts again. Today we covered say and speak. I want you to practice this to now, all right? I'm not telling you to go pray in front of people right away. But when you're alone in your car, don't think your prayers. Say it out loud. Practice, practice action steps. Just practice praying out loud in your car, in your room by yourself. Just pray out loud whenever you get a chance. Address a name. Take the time to start realizing who he is to you. If you have a problem with your father, try to let it go. But take the time to just start realizing, man, God, look at how you did this. You know, one of my favorite verses is always talking about how we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. If you don't know who God is to you, think about where he brought you from. I guarantee you're not yeah. the same spot where you are. And it wasn't by your power. Yeah. He's your father. Say those things over and over again and see if your attitude doesn't change. Mm -hmm. See if your perspective lightens up. Praise and honor. Thank him for those things that he brought you through. God, you alone are worthy. Who am I? I can't do it without you. Right? Align your 
word with his word and reflect it outwardly. And last but not least, eat his word and say his word for our daily bread. Every day, sufficient unto the day is what you're getting. Practice this for the week. I have a book. If you're a guest here, I'm going to give some away. One per family, definitely for a guest. And then if you're a member, eh, I'll figure out what to do with you guys later. <laughs> this book is called Prayers That Availeth Much. Now, they have a lot of different versions, right? This book has, this book taught me how to pray. This book basically has, you name it, divorce, problem with your marriage, problem with your kids, kids going to college, whatever you may be. This book has a prayer for it. And then there's different versions of it. Like if, you're, if you have a college kid, they have prayers available as much for students. They have a whole bunch of different versions, but, but the book in here gives you prayers. Now, here's what it does. It literally takes the Bible verses for you and puts them and constructs them into a saying. So I want you to, here's what I want you to do. If you get this book, I just want you to read, pick a prayer that you need and say that prayer for a week. Verbatim, how it says it here. Don't make up bad words. Now, you're going to find yourself starting to add words of scripture into it as you pray. Perfect. It also gives you the scriptural references that they use for the prayer at the bottom. So you can look at the scriptures and stand on them and use them more and more. This book is an outline of what our prayer should be like. You're not going to hear any fluff. You're just going to hear God's word repeat it back to God, which establishes his kingdom on this earth. So if you're a visitor, we're going to have some of these books out front for you, one per family. If you're not a visitor and you want a book, come see me. I might have a couple extra and I'll bring some more next week. But they are on Amazon, but I'll bring some more next week. <laughs> Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for all that you do. I pray, Lord God, that your word cuts through the marrows of our hearts, the stubbornness of our heads. And Lord God, that we don't walk around out here the same. I pray, Lord God, that we walk practicing, working, and striving in your spirit and your strength to know you more as our daddy. Bring your kingdom on this earth. Let your light so shine bright from us that people will see us and glorify the Father who is in heaven. I decree and declare over every person at the sound of my voice today that we are a new creation with a new understanding in Christ, walking now vibrantly for the kingdom as ambassadors of the king. In Jesus' precious and mighty and powerful name, amen.